he was like, let's get a coffee. Let's talk about like what your business is and what your like shtick is. And I was like, it's real sexy. It's blood sugar balance. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to be sitting down with my friend Kelly Levesque, nutritionist to your favorite celebrities, a highly regarded health coach, and a mom with a passion for all things wellness related. Using her nutritional science background from UCLA and UC Berkeley, she's dedicated to showing her clients how to take care of and love their body through the power of food and mental clarity. She's a mastermind behind the popular Fab Four course series, and in July of 2021, she launched her newest course, Fab Four Under Four, which is all about starting your little one off on the right foot. Before we get into it, any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hello, Kelly. So excited to have you here. Welcome. Thanks, Morgan. I love that we start our podcast recording like 30 minutes of like friendly conversation, talking about the boys, talking about business. And then we're like, shoot, we got to record this podcast. I know it's so bad. We I, we really have been on the phone already for 28 minutes before we press start, but um, it's great to have you. So um, I know the background Kelly story, but just for those of you listening, we've known each other, God, for a long time. Like you were at my house. I remember before your first book deal and you were just kind of like exploding on the scene. And I saw all this potential. I was like, oh, this girl is like on a rocket ship. And you just have, I don't know, continued to prove me right, I guess. But fill everyone in. Like, how did you get here? We want to hear like the full Kelly story. Sure. Um, well, I started in cancer and genetics. So I had a like a medical job for eight years. So I had a big corporate job for eight years. And I'd always loved health and nutrition. At a certain point in college, called my dad crying, like I should have been pre-med, kinesiology, I don't, something in that space. Like I had taken nature of human health and disease and did done a thesis on diabetes, which go figure now all I talk about is blood sugar and blood sugar balance and all that stuff, <laughs> whether you're pregnant or you have children or you just want to feel better. Um, and so fast forward, my dad was basically like, yeah, well, you, you need to graduate and I'm not paying for another day at USC and, and you can do what you want with that. So I went into a corporate career in talking about health and nutrition, but always kind of thought, I really want to be a nutritionist. I really want to help people. I want to be a health coach. I want to, I want to impact their daily life. So they don't get to this place of sick care and in cancer treatment and that they can be, you know, really focused on taking care of themselves from the beginning. So whenever things were like, you know, the job was tough or, I had to travel a lot. I would find myself on the internet looking up like nutrition schools, <laughs> going back to school for it. Um, so I started Be Well by Kelly as a side hustle after going back to a health coaching program. I went to IIN. It was the only thing really available back then. And I started my Instagram. And I remember like the first couple of posts was like a cowboy salsa post with like a border and like a horrible filter. <laughs> And then like the next post was like me with like a two pound weight in my hand or something <laughs> again with an amazing filter and some kind of border. Um, but what ultimately happened was I went back to school, told, you know, half a dozen of my friends that I really wanted to do this and that I would work with them for free and walk them through Whole Foods and help them shop, like swapped out their condiments, like did things like that, got them motivated and, um, Ultimately that started in, it was September of 2012 when I really started seeing clients. And then I left my corporate career in September of 2015. Um, so it was three years of a side hustle. I worked nights and weekends. I ended up 
realizing it was like my calling and my passion, I went back to um, UC Berkeley and UCLA extension to take a bunch of nutrition courses. I remember food, mood, and behavior being like one of my favorites. It was taught by Michelle Vargas. She was the dietitian um, for uh, Manchester United soccer team. I played soccer. I thought she was a badass. Like I just loved learning in the space and really, um, really like spent my own money and time going back to school. And it's kind of a piecemeal situation because unless you want to go back and be an RD and go take, you know, take the extra classes you might be missing and then spend two years and take an exam that you don't believe in. Like for me, um, it just didn't seem to make sense. I was reading current research in my cancer and genetics job that was coming out like daily and weekly and monthly. Like I was in the current research. So to go back to school, kind of read old textbooks, talking about research from the eighties and nineties, and then start implementing the USDA triangle or even the my plate for me was like mind numbing. And so I figured it out, piecemealed it together. And um, then when I left my corporate job and I left my 401k, my company car and my W2, and (laughs) I went, oh gosh, I just took a big pay cut. I'm now an hourly employee at the like the high rate of $50 an hour. I'm not even making a sixth of the income I was making prior to leaving this job. And I need to think about all the other ways that I can make this financially viable for my family. So I said, I'll write a book, not knowing that writing a book was, is not exactly (laughs) the best way to make money, but it was an awesome way to get my name out there and to help a bunch of people. And so I cold emailed a bunch of agents in New York and heard back from a small, very, very small number, <laughs> jumped on a plane, flew to New York, signed a deal with Efot Reese Glendell um, of Foundry and started writing Body Love. And they told you you didn't have enough Instagram followers at the time, if I remember correct. Yes. I um, So I remember uh, emailing back and forth with this one agent who now would love to be my agent, which is really yeah, funny. But um, <laughs> <laughs> she basically told me that I needed 200 and the, the, the magic sauce for her was that I needed 250,000 email subscribers and a minimum of 50,000 Instagram uh, followers. And at the time I sold my first book with less than 5,000 followers on Instagram. So I think when people think they need to be big, yeah, there are going to be agents that could easily sell my book with 250,000 newsletter subscribers and 50,000 Instagram followers. Of course, like they're going to have great pre-sales. They're going to be able to send that Amazon pre-order link or the Barnes and Noble pre-order link through the newsletter and get people buying. But then like, why would I need an agent? I feel like I could just go to HarperCollins myself and be like, I have this huge, huge audience they love what I want that what I'm talking about. I'd love to give them, you know, more information in the form of a book. What do you think? Like agents have the relationships with, um, with editors and, and big publishing houses. So they're, they're really awesome to work with when you find someone who believes in you. And my agent was like, you don't need those followers. I see potential. I see, I see that you're making blood sugar sexy, or you're making it easy, or you're, you're explaining it in a way that, if people don't care about the science, you make them care about their blood sugar. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't, well, my, the hardest thing for me was when I sat down with clients and they're like, great, great, great. I don't care, but just tell me what to eat. Can you just like write it down and send me the links? And I'm like, 
no, no, you need to know how this works because I don't want to have to be on call for you. Like you need to know that walking into Whole Foods or Costco or Target, if you're picking stuff up and putting it in your cart, you need to know how it impacts your blood sugar because that impacts your energy, ultimately impacting your work your, your, your mood, like how you react and respond to the humans around you. Like this is impacting your whole entire life. And if you just take 10 minutes to learn the science with me, you will save yourself years of heartache and yo-yo diets and eat and do not eat lists. Like you're never going to be perfect. So like learn the science so that you can be flexible. Yeah. I love it. So, so that's, I mean, there's a lot of passion behind it. And, and I think, um, I heard a lot of no's and I heard, and I, you know, I sent a lot of emails that never were responded to, but you have to throw stuff against the wall to see what sticks in the beginning. And you need to believe in yourself when the whole world doesn't. Yeah. I I hear you on that for sure. Um, you had like a, I, I think this is public knowledge. I'm allowed to ask, but you had like quite a few celebrity clients. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you yeah. like land there? So, um, so I met this guy named Mike Alexander when I was in college. Um, he was Jessica Simpson's trainer and for Daisy Dukes, which by the way, that was a great transformation. Um, he was, he went, grew up in Texas with her and they, when she was married to Nick, they loved USC football and I was at USC. And so they would come and watch the games And I was at Matt Leinart's birthday party and met, uh, Nick and Jessica and, um, and Mike Alexander. And so Mike Alexander and I were just, you know, friends. And when I decided that I was going to go out and be a nutritionist, I DM'd him or text him. I can't remember and said, Mike, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm leaving my big corporate job to be a health coach and you're a trainer. So I'd like to offer my services to your clients for free. And he was like, uh, okay, well let's get a coffee. Let's talk about like what your business is and what your like shtick is. And I was like, it's real sexy. It's blood sugar balance. (laughs) Um, but we, we were just having fun and joking around and, and having coffee. And he's like, you know what? I do have some people that I'm working with. So he was working with, um, Eve Hewson, which is Bono's daughter for, um, a couple of roles, uh, at the time. And he was, uh, working with Evan Peters of X-Men, which Evan Peters just got an Emmy last weekend. And I sent him a text and I was like, Evan, it's so amazing to like, see what you've built. And like, if you watch mayor of East town, like it's the most depressing show of all time, but he does a phenomenal job. And he's like, thanks, Kel. I had my fab four smoothie right before I got to the show. And I was just like, Oh, my heart, because I sat on Mike's gym floor and worked with these up and coming actors, you know, at the time they, they were, they were getting started and, um, and they were getting their big breaks. And now today I look at both of them and they have these phenomenally big careers, but I just sat on one of those like foam gym mats with them with my MacBook open and, and explained how blood sugar worked and what we needed to do and gave them some tips, like, you know, a little bit of restricted eating or eating in the daylight hours some sleep hygiene tips. And that was in 2013. And so from there, um, you know, I worked with a couple of other A-list celebrities that were accidental. So 
I've told the Jessica Alba story a number of times, but I basically was invited to go to an influencer party and be a part of the party. So they gave me a little furniture vignette, two little cozy chairs. And they said, when the Instagram celebs come up after they've, you know, made their macro bowl at the the buffet, if they need a five to 15 minute health nutrition, nutrition consultation, you're just like part of the party. So if you've ever been to a party where you get to like ax throw or like make an ornament for your tree or like, I don't know, I was like an event at the party. You're like the chick behind the booth. Yeah. yeah, it was the tick behind the booth where you get like a free little mani or like a head massage. Like okay. I was your nutrition consultation. Not a single influencer sat down for that party, but that party was the launch of Honest Products at Target. And Jessica Alba was doing press in the back room of the Lombardi house where this event was being thrown the whole day. And then finally, this cute little redhead at the very end of the party came out. She looked a little tired. She grabbed her bowl. She's like, can I sit here? And I was like, sure. So she sits down and she's like, why are you here? And I was like, funny, you should ask horrible signage, but I'm a nutritionist and you can have 15 minutes with me if you want to like talk about your health. And she was having some hand swelling and she's like, I have like some joint issues and I'm, I'm young, you know, I'm in my early thirties, um, but I'm a makeup artist. And just so happened that it was Lauren Anderson and Lauren Anderson and Jessica Alba were friends from junior high. And Lauren Anderson had been doing Jessica's makeup all day at this party for all the press. And I said, Hey, you know, here are a couple things that I would do. She already talked about what she'd cut out of her diet. I said, let me come to your house. I'll do a session with you and we'll figure it out. Well, it turns out she had a major issue with nightshades. We cut the nightshades out of her diet. She was literally having like, it, it's like she was Italian. <laughs> she was having all the eggplant, all the tomatoes, like all, all the nightshades. We pulled them out completely. Her hand inflammation went away within like eight or 10 days and then a week later, I had an email introduction to Jessica that said, like, Kelly, I'd like you to meet my soul sister, Jessica. She'd love a consultation at her house. And it's like, I sat at that party. I probably paid a couple hundred dollars for my hair, my makeup, my outfit. I took a day off of my corporate job. I sat at that furniture vignette for four hours. Not a single influencer came and sat down with me. At one point, the like party planner was like, hey, Kel, could you go over to the cake, to the table and like tell people the nutrition that's in the food? So I'm like, these are microgreens. They're loaded with vitamin K. And one of, I remember one of the girls looked up at me and these are like girls with millions of followers, like Chriselle Lim and like some of these fashion and beauty bloggers and, and, you know, family home bloggers or whatever. And one of the Instagrammers looked up at me and she was like, are you with the caterer? And I was like, you know, get me out of here. Yeah. I was just like, all right. So, um, so it's funny because my first real celebrities, um, were for free yeah, and were accidental and were because I was showing up and making fool out of myself and being embarrassed, especially after spending so much time at a big corporate company, managing people, giving big presentations, to then be sitting there nervous in a chair, hoping that like one of these girls sits down so I can just give them free advice for 15 minutes. Um, so I feel like it was very, it was a little bit of karma, but really like the beginning of my career was so humbling and so many times it would be embarrassing. And I felt like I just wanted to quit or, you know, I wasn't being compensated or whatever it was. So, but that's, that's the hustle. Like if your heart's in it, you do it when you're embarrassed, you do it for free, you do it on the weekends. Um, and you just try to provide value whenever you can. 
Yeah. And Jessica Alba had like quite a transformation with you as well. It yeah. was really, yeah, I've had some really fun ones. And since Jess, like she's so inclusive and has like a big group of girlfriends, you know, she's the one who made the introduction to um, Jennifer Garner and, um, and I, I, and Shawnee, her, her facialist, Shawnee Darden, Shawnee Darden then works with Emmy Rossum. So then there was a connection to Emmy Rossum and Chelsea Handler and some of these other women. And so I've had some really fun, fun transformations, like Jennifer Garner for the peppermint movie, like take a minute and just like, look at her red carpet at that movie. Like that's a really proud moment for me because, you know, she's in the middle of her separation and divorce from Ben and we're getting her ready for this movie with, and it was with Simone, um, body by Simone, Simone DeLaRue. And I love Simone. And we just were, we were like her, like bouncers. Like we were like the girls on the back. We were like, this is going to be the best transformation of your life because you know what? Forget him. And you have this amazing movie opportunity and let's like show you your power. Like those kinds of having the power to like support a woman through something like that, or to get, to just show them their strength and their independence. Um, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Um, okay. So blood sugar, like honing in on your niche here. So like, when did you figure out that? Like, how'd you know that was where you wanted to focus? Like, was this through your previous job or like all these, I'm assuming you're like a PubMed junkie at this point or like, what? <laughs> yeah. how'd you like hone in on blood sugar? Well, the interesting thing was, is that you take you back to that thesis, my, um, nature of human health and disease, that class that I took where I wrote my thesis on diabetes and then look at the diets that started to come out, Atkins, South beach, protein power. Like what are they recommending? They're recommending protein. They're recommending veggies. Um, depending on who they are, like Atkins phase one was like ketosis. Like when you look at all of these, like I'd read these, these books and I'd read PubMed, uh, like ferociously. And I started just get so annoyed that these books were just repackaged versions of them of the next one. Like it was all the same information unless it was, Oh God. Um, what was that book? Was it skinny bitch? The real vegan one that like, yeah, skinny bitch. I read that like, like that's, yeah, that's the only one. That's the only one that I think was a major outlier was really like, and I think it turned so many people vegan or vegetarian who read it, but the majority of the other ones were all just some sort of like Mediterranean low carb keto mashup. They're all the same. And I was like, I'm sorry. Can well, none of you just come out with what the science is here. Like, can, can someone please just teach people the science? Cause these books would all just be, we would just need cliff notes of all of them and they'd all be the same. Yeah. And so it just was blatantly obvious to me that no, all of these books were like, this is the plan and this is what you cut out. And this is what you can add back in. And I'm like, yeah, but on a biological level, all they're having you do here is cut out processed carbohydrates and sugar you're feeling less, less lethargic. They're having you have a little bit more protein and poof magic. Your blood sugar is balanced. and you feel great? Um, uh, so I just tried to like explain that through my books and through my Instagram that it doesn't need to be so hard. It doesn't, you don't need to download the PDF attachment to the book you just bought on the internet as the free gift to figure out how to eat. Like, you know how to eat. Let me teach you blood sugar. You're going to have some aha moments about like why that oatmeal isn't working for you in the morning or 
why you are craving more coffee and sugar at 3 PM. Like it's going to be a, a number of things. You either under ate protein. You had a really horrible night's sleep because you have a 10 month old that thinks he's two months old <laughs> Oops. or, or, you know, or you had a massive dose of carbohydrates to put you on a blood sugar roller coaster. But all of these things are related to are really related to your blood sugar and the hormone cascade that happens because of it. So let me just teach you the science so that you can decide if you want the pancakes for breakfast or, and to deal with the, the subsequent cravings or crashes that may happen later in the afternoon, but also giving that you, that science may motivate you to say like, Hey, I am going to swap out that pancake for keto pan- or paleo pancakes, like birch benders, or I'm going to um, decide that I'm going to try my hand at some keto muffin instead, because I know I'm getting a little bit of my cake, having my cake and eating it too without derailing my blood sugar, or you just decide you're going to do it. And I think that's the freedom in the choice. Like it doesn't need to be a cheat meal. When you know the science, you're like, okay, when I know better, I do better 90% of the time. And that's enough for me. It doesn't need to be perfect. For sure. And so like going back to your like cancer, like background, do you feel like that plays into like how you're, you're kind of like philosophy now, or like, what are you seeing in the science? That's like, I don't know, kind of tying the two together. I'm curious if anything or yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about, when you think about producing ATP in on a cellular level, and when you, I mean, we can just take a step back here there. I worked in breast and ovarian cancer. And when I look, I still get clients who reach out to me because they are, they've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and they're an estrogen positive tumor, meaning estrogen feeds this tumor. And then they come to me and they say, I want to, I want to do better. I want to clean up my diet. What's causing this. And I look at their liver I say, okay, well, let's look at your liver because one, we want, we want to lower the amount of estrogen in your body. If your estrogen, if estrogen is feeding this tumor, then we need to be recycling old estrogen and getting it out of our body. How do we do that? Well, we have to focus on making sure that your liver is functioning at the best level, which means we want cruciferous vegetables. We want leafy greens. Cruciferous vegetables helps with stage two detoxification um, in the liver. And that's super important, but, but fiber, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, all of these things help the gut and they help the liver. And then we look at like, what are you having in your, in your diet that may be mucking up your liver? Well, it's the wine every night. That's not the best option. It's the fructose and the high sugar processed foods. Like fructose is metabolized in your liver. Wine is metabolized in your or alcohol, including wine and over-the-counter medications. So what can we do to lighten the load of your liver and increase the detoxification of that hormone so that you are balancing out naturally, right? And when you look at the, the alcohol and the processed foods, the sugar, the, the, all of that, we're pulling out the stuff that dysregulates your blood sugar anyways. So we're focused on balanced blood sugar. And I think the simplicity of, of the fab four is I can always go back to it because it is the basics. It's exactly what you need when it comes to essential amino acids from protein, essential fatty acids from fat, and then the fiber and leafy greens from plants that are giving us all those phytochemicals that are giving us what we need to you know, create the enzymes to break down things like old estrogen or old cholesterol. And so when it comes to, when it comes to cancers, like it's cancer needs fuel to grow. And so when you think about overeating sugar or overeating processed carbohydrates and having a massive spike in glucose, you're having a massive, massive surge in, in a substrate that can feed cancer. And 
it's either that, or it's like a hormone driven cancer, like estrogen. Well, estrogen's elevated because of your crappy processed food diet and the inability to detox it. So getting back to the basics of kind of, and you know, primal kitchen is a paleo company, like getting back to the basics of sort of like that paleolithic style eating, if you're, whether you're in keto or not, is going to be super supportive of bringing down your risk of cancer. And so when people say like, we're all just going to get cancer and that's just the state, that's just the reality. No, like we know that you can get your genetics run at 23 and me or strategy. And you may be at an elevated risk for certain types of cancer, but it is absolutely the epigenetics and your lifestyle and what you're doing daily. That's going to increase or decrease that risk. And you've heard people say it a million times. It's like your genetics are the gun and the epigenetics or your daily choices that pulls the trigger. So for me, um, for me, focusing on blood sugar balance and focusing on the fab four is protective for my clients. And it's, it's what I prescribe for people when they are in treatment or when they've been recently diagnosed, it's like, what can we do here? What can we look at to make sure your liver is optim is working the way that it should be. And that your gut is, you know, whether those microbes are proliferating in the way that's protective for you, but, um, you know, I get a little bit nervous when I see people say that like a vegan or a vegetarian diet is anti-cancer. That was something even when I was in cancer and genetics, right here, doctors talk about that, that, you know, had 19 hours of nutrition, their entire 14 years of, of school and, you know, a, an article here or one research paper there makes them think like, well, everyone should be having a plant-based soy filled diet. And I just like have to take a deep breath. It's not, you know, it's not the protein. It's not the hormones and antibiotics in the protein. It really is. It really is looking at what detoxifies these hormones and, and what fuels growth of cancer and a highly processed sugar rich diet, loads of alcohol and, um, you know, a liver that is mucked up and unable to detoxify are all going to be risk factors for you. So you don't think like meat is harmful? No, I'm, um, I actually think the opposite of that. And we can see that, you know, I'm not a carnivore diet fan. I don't think that everyone should just be having like steaks at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but what's coming out of that work is just really starting to understand positive changes that we can see on blood tests, like really like looking at, well, if what people told you before is that steaks cause heart disease and they're going to cause cancer and they're going to, uh, you know, elevate triglycerides and cholesterol and create inflammation. And, you know, I have had a couple of clients that I've worked with a functional MDs that are prescribing that type of a diet for them, whether that's recurrent SIBO, anxiety, depression, um, you know, major IBS and IBD, that are now being put on this in a prescriptive way. And I'm watching they're being put on carnivore. Yeah. Interesting. And I am watching their blood tests just drastically improve. I'm watching their symptoms drastically improve. I'm watching anxiety and depression decrease. I'm watching um yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing for some people how that's been supportive. And and for people listening, like I am not an all or nothing diet. I'm not a diet culture type of a person. I really don't like really, really, really restrictive diets um, like that. 
But for some people that have had like 10 years of IBS that caused them to feel uncomfortable in social situations, they feel like they need to run to the bathroom. It's make, makes them feel depressed or um, anxious or affects their sleep or whatever it is. When I've seen that work wonders for someone and all of those things go away, I, I think there's a place for it. Yeah. Interesting. So, but it's also just a, a, for me, it highlights the fact that we can't just keep bucketing saying that something, I mean, nutrition science is hard, right? Because a lot of it's community-based. It's not double blind style um, studies. It's asking 10 people, Hey, what do you eat? Yeah. What'd you eat for the and last year? Is, yeah. <laughs> what is your, what is your, you know, what do your blood tests look like? And what is, and it's not looking at the whole person at all. And, and we're so bio-individual, so we can't, you really can't do that much controlling. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to do nutrition studies, right? Yeah, for sure. Now a big component of your like program, the fab four, for people who don't know protein, fat, fiber, and greens. Do I have yeah. this right? And I can just, yeah. um, but fiber is like a big thing that I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like fiber is interesting right now. Like, cause this carnivore diet, like there's really no fiber in the carnivore yeah. diet. Right. And then, mm-hmm. you know, even keto, you can't eat beans, So like, what's your take on fiber for just the general population? Yeah, I think it depends on what, what you're looking at. Um, I think that we under eat fiber, but I don't think we, that we need to be pouring fiber powder on everything that we eat, if that makes sense. So when we look at, when we look at the research at the human microbiome project, which is looking at how healthy and robust the human microbiome is, meaning like we're talking about the gut microbiome in in this instance, those are the microbes that live inside your gut. When you think about inside your gut, what is it? It's microbes. And then it's a layer of mucin or like a mucusy layer. And then it's epithelial lining, which is your intestinal lining, right? So the microbes sit on top. They're responsible for fermenting fiber, giving off short chain fatty acids like butyrate. Butyrate is anti-inflammatory. It's fuel for the brain. It is, um, you know, all of these little substrates, or I would say like the pharmaceuticals that these little bugs are producing for us by eating fiber are really anti-aging. Um, as those bugs also, if those bugs aren't fed, they turn and they eat the mucin layer, breaking down the mucin layer, then exposes the epithelial lining, which, which makes it more likely that you would um, go through or end up having leaky gut. And then leaky gut then increases the chances that you will have, um, food allergies or, you know, be sensitive to things like histamines, things like that. So what is important to me is that you're having enough fiber to maintain the mucin layer between the probiotic bacteria that lives in you and your epithelial lining. Cause like, if you think about that, probiotic lining or that, that microbial lining being super important and that epithelial integrity being super important. You just don't want the bugs turning around and eating the mucin layer and then increasing the chance that you have leaky gut. So what we do know is Dominic D'Agostino, you know, he's a low carb or keto guy, but he eats vegetables and he did a stent and this is a study N of one, this is one human, but he's a researcher at the university of South Florida. He's well-renowned. He's an amazing follow. He's a great guy. I've had him on my podcast too, but he did just a little trial for himself. And I think it's a good trial because it's looking at where his blood markers went. And he did see an increase in um, 
cholesterol and he did see an increase in triglycerides and he attributed it to maybe overeating steak when he went carnivore. But, um, but he also said like, it is important for satiety and for, you know, I think for keeping, um, certain inflammatory markers down in the gut to have a little bit of a little bit of vegetables. I think it's natural for us. And, um, yeah, I mean, I could go down a rabbit hole with you on this for a long time, but 10 to 13 or 15 grams of of fiber a day, I think is the bare minimum. And that's what most Americans are hitting. The, fact that our ancestors used to eat a hundred grams of fiber a day when people jump on and say like, now I'm going to get to a hundred, like you probably don't have the microbial environment to ferment that down without feeling like a bloated constipated mess. So like, don't do that. Um, yeah. Work your way up. <laughs> yeah. But the short, but for me, fiber is a non-negotiable, um, and something that we should incorporate, uh, in every single meal, even if it's just like a cup of broccoli with one meal or like a little salad, you know, I don't care if it's iceberg on the side of something, because what we're, what we're getting is we're getting food for those microbes to ferment and create short chain fatty acids. And we're getting what we need to prevent mucin breakdown and to keep our epithelial lining and structure intact. Really important. I also think for when people think about bowel movements, it's like 80 to 90% of the dry weight if you were to dehydrate your poop is dead bacteria. So when someone has a, um, you know, isn't as consistent in removing things from their bowels or having a consistent bowel movement, fiber is supportive of that. Again, like I said, you don't want to run up to hundred grams in a day, but, but when we talk about estrogen, old estrogen, old cholesterol, when that's metabolized and dumped into your bowels, if you don't poop and you're constipated, that can be, there's reuptake that happens. It, your intestines then can reuptake that old cholesterol and old estrogen, and you just need to get it out of your system. So it, your bowels are the best at detoxifying your body. If you're pumping everything into your, you know, into your colon, and then you're not pooping it out, you're just sitting with that and it's recycling through your body. So super important. And then, um, you know, when it comes to beans and things that are not like leafy greens or non-starchy vegetables, I think it's up to the person. Like if beans make you feel super bloated and you don't feel like you can break them down, you might've taken a really long time off of them and you might bring them back makes you feel bloated. You could work your way up just like any other food. It's tolerance testing a little bit here, a little bit there work your way up until you can have more of it. And that just that, you know, those are the conversations I have with clients. Do you care if you eat beans or not? Do you want to be able to eat beans? Then let's work our way up, Yeah, but, you know, but I, I don't think it's the most beans are not the most nutrient dense way to get protein. I think animal protein still takes the cake when it comes to getting protein from food. So, um, so it's still not my preference that my clients are vegan or vegetarian, but I, I work with people that are got it. Yeah. I've talked to so many people, this is anecdotal, but where like, they will say to me, like, like functional medicine doctors or naturopathic doctors who are doing a lot of like blood tests. They'll say like, Oh, I see the worst blood tests in people who have been on a vegan diet for a long time. Like they're just really lacking in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's hard for me to do my job. Like I'm, I'm currently working, um, with a studio right now that has they're doing a movie with gymnasts and they're gymnasts from like the eighties. So these women need to be waif. They they're not going to look like the gymnasts that we just saw in the Olympics 
this summer, they're going to be very, very, very thin, almost like ballerinas and, um, but they need muscle tone. And, uh, I, I tend to get a little bit more skinny fat when it comes to, uh, if someone's a really strict vegan, it's very hard for me to hit our goals when it comes to costume design and things like that, because what ends up happening is people go on a vegan or vegetarian diet. It's almost like they're at a caloric deficit in the beginning. They're focusing on their plant foods and they're a little bit low in calories probably. So they start to lose weight, muscle and fat. Right. Um, but what ends up happening is all their stores of B vitamins, all their stores of vitamin D, all their stores of choline, all their stores of long chain omega-3s, long chain omega-3s are anti-inflammatory. B vitamins help us burn fat. They burn, they help us burn uh, glucose and ketones. Like I always joke that the mitochondria is the engine that burns um, ketones or glucose, but B vitamins are like the oil for that engine. That's why if anyone goes to a Lindora or one of these weight loss clinics, they're shoving a B vitamin complex in your booty via syringe, because you're not going to hit your weight goals if you are depleted there and B vitamins. Yes. Things like folate or in foliage, like leafy greens, but the most concentration of B vitamins are going to be in things like red meat and dark meat chicken and things like that. And so like vitamin D, the only source of vitamin D is mushrooms. And I'm really sorry, but like, you're not getting the quantity of vitamin D you need for your immune system. You better be supplementing the wazoo out of vitamin D if you're vegan or vegetarian. And so, and it's, it's steroidal in the body. It's like, it's so important. And so Wait, the only source is mushrooms, plant-based you're seeing, right? Otherwise it's okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And vitamin D is in, it's in pasture raised eggs. It's in wild fish. It's in all the seafood, like the efficiency of being able to get these vitamins from animal protein is so easy and bioavailable versus needing to supplement or having really low quantities in these plant-based foods. So when we have real goals, someone needs to lose 20 pounds in four months, but also they need to look like they've been dancing on Broadway for eight years and they've never danced a day in their life or been a gymnast in the eighties. How do we get there? I get there so much faster if someone is eating animal protein and they're happier getting there because they're completely satisfied. They aren't needing to white knuckle it. They're not starving. They're not losing their hair. They're not getting these side effects of like what, what it may look like, like someone's body is breaking down. Yeah. They look vibrant and, um, and they feel good and they're sleeping great. And when we pull their neutral numbers, meaning we're looking at their blood, we, we pull their blood and we're looking for things like all their B vitamins, all their vitamin D, all their long chain omega threes, all their amino acid, like the proteins specifically, whether that's the branching amino acids or essential amino acids, conditionally essential amino acids, they have better stores of all of those things, which allows them to build and rebuild cells in their body to make their hormones, to make their neurotransmitters. So of course they're more balanced. They feel better and they're hitting goals faster. And I'm only saying, and having this very candid conversation because it's you Morgan, <laughs> but it's just, you know, it, it's hard for me to get that, get that call. And I, and one, yeah. I mean, just looking at this one project, like one wait, of the wait, girls back up here, what video. is this project? Like, I don't know what you're doing and I, this sounds so interesting. So you're working with like a movie studio on getting their actresses and do it and fit a certain, give me the lowdown. 
Yeah. So um, these two young girls need to look like 1980s gymnasts. And you got hired by the studio. Yeah, I'm hired by I'm I'm hired in and brought in by the studio to help them get ready for these roles. And we have initial phone consultations. We talk about how they're eating. I pride myself on not, um, you know, Matthew McConaughey got ready for that one movie um, he was in where he became. Yeah. I know. And I can't remember it either, but I, I loved his book green lights by the way, but yes. Okay. Yes. So he was, you know, he, he dealt with, he, in the movie where he got really skinny, he had AIDS yeah. and he, I remember reading an article that he, that he had like a diet Coke and a hard boiled egg a day for like, you know, forever long. I pride myself on fueling my clients and fueling these actors because they need to be able to use their brain. I have had clients in the past that tell me what they do prior to a movie and then they need to start eating the minute they start filming and they actually feel worse because they go from like basically not eating to going into filming and then needing to eat to, so that they can actually think and remember their lines and act, but then they feel extra bloated or they feel, you know, and it's also not great. That's yo-yo diet culture where they think the only way to get to this role to get to be fit in this role is to really, really, really restrict. And that increases the chances at the back end of this movie, they're going to have eating disorders or disordered eating. And so I have said no to a project that had a six week timeline for a ridiculous Matthew McConaughey style role with a woman, because for me, that's not my brand. That's not what I believe in. And I also can't have Like, I don't want someone to finish their role and need to like live that life where they think, oh, well, I'm going to just do double days and not eat and calorie count to get where I need to go. It's not the way to get there for the long run. So for me, it's like, if we have a specific amount of time, I pride myself on teaching these girls and men blood sugar balance, how to fuel themselves. We work with functional MDs. We pull their bloods. Like we have to know what we're working with, get under the hood that's how I get there faster. Are you working with Dr. Lekos or what? I love Dr. Lekos. I love Dr. Will Cole. Um, yeah. I mean, there's another guy named Chris Renna in LA. There's I've had, you know, I've had clients that go to these functional doctors that I have relationships with and go to the functional doctors. I don't have relationships with, but there isn't a client who doesn't have a role where I don't have in hand all of their labs. Fascinating. I love it. Okay. The other thing you mentioned was like some weight loss clinic. What are you even talking about? What is this? Oh, um, well it is like, there are weight loss clinics. There are places like where people will go work with a doctor. Um, and the majority of clinics that do weigh-ins for you weekly or will help you lose weight, uh, they promote giving people B vitamin complex syringes or IV drips, things like that, because they know in practice that we can't get the results that we need. If you are nutrient deficient, especially when it comes to B vitamins. Got it. Yeah. So are you into any of those like skinny shots and all that stuff that like maybe only exists? I don't know if it's like expanded outside of Southern California, but yeah, no. Um, you know what I am really excited about and what I talk about all the time is a functional multivitamin because we just don't see the nutrient levels that we used to see in our food. And, um, I think that a multivitamin is insurance. Yeah. If you're out there 
working hard in the gym, getting your morning light, going out in nature, making all your own foods, and you feel super, super frustrated, we have to look in your medicine cabinet and say, okay, if you're not going to go get a NutraVal, which is the lab oh, that'll NutraVal is a, uh, is a lab that I love that will look for all your nutrient levels, all your amino acid levels, all your fatty acid levels. And then you can see like, oh, wow, you're really deficient in omega-3 or you have great B12 because you're supplementing with B12 dropper or, but you are, you have no B6, you know? So that will, that will show me as a practitioner, what we're missing or what might be holding us back. Can you order it on your own? Or is it something you need from your doctor? NutriVal. NutriVal you need from a functional MD. And that's why I call uh, a functional multivitamin insurance. Yeah. Like I love your favorite multivitamins. I mean, I love like Thorn. I love yeah. a lab that's like really high quality with a minimal amount of pills. Like Thorn Two a Day is super solid. I love um, uh, Metabolic Synergy from Metagenics. I mean, that is six to eight pills a day, so that's a lot more. Whereas Thorn is two, and you're like, okay, I'm getting all the methylated B vitamins. You know, I'm getting vitamin D. I'm getting vitamin C. It might not be at super therapeutic levels, but vitamins B6 or B12 deficiency isn't going to keep me from losing weight. Like I'm going to feel my best. I'm going to be energized. Um, and I'm going to have what I need. So yeah, that's very for cool. me. Yeah. I could not take six to eight pills. That's like, no, it's no, most people can't. That's why thorn to a day is great. And I actually built out a free, um, supplement guide on my website. That's just a download. People Love can it. have it. That's great. Yeah. Um, okay. So you've, I want to know like any hacks for carbohydrate consumption. Well, I think we need to stop eating sugary things when we don't need to. And like, that's why, you know, that's why I developed a relationship with primal kitchen, obviously from the beginning was because you could have ketchup and it tasted like ketchup without added sugar. Like you could have barbecue sauce and it tasted like barbecue sauce without added sugar. So we need to like take a minute and look through our cabinets for things for added sugar because it sneaks all the time it sneaks. Like people will grab the organic peanut butter at whole foods, take it home, turn it around. And there's palm oil and sugar in that one. And I can't tell you the number of times that clients have said, I got the three, six, five, whatever. And it's like, I kind of have to not buy the organic in that because if we're not looking at the labels, we're consuming a lot more sugar than we, than we need to. And then we go ahead and look at what carbohydrate op- options are out there. I'm a huge fan of Siete Tortillas. I'm a huge fan of Unbun, the brand, another, like that's a keto brand. I think the, the keto and paleo movement has, has really supported all these small businesses that are making things from almond flour, coconut flour, psyllium husk, egg. And I can tell you wearing a, a continuous glucose monitor that I can have two tortillas from Siete and I know maybe I'll go up. 10 to 15 points on the glucometer versus if you were to have a flour tortilla, like the traditional ones we grew up on, that's 99 net carbohydrates. And I'm in the two hundreds, meaning I'm totally like diabetic numbers. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Yeah. So, and that's been really eye-opening for so many of my clients is trying to give them the tools to stay motivated and to learn their own like learn their own biology. Like what happens when you eat rice? What happens when you eat an apple, when you eat a tortilla, what can these swaps do for you? What can pairing food, how can pairing peanut butter with that apple lower your glucose spike? How can using apple cider vinegar 
lower that glucose spike. Like there are so many little supportive additional tools that can keep your blood sugar balanced and giving my clients those tools is my job. Yeah. Are you wearing the glucose monitor now? I actually just, I have to start a new one today and I haven't put it on yet. Yeah. Monday Monday morning, but yeah, I mean, I wear them pretty much 24 seven right now. I'm learning a lot from them and I mean, it's just so nice not to have to prick my finger and test with a glucometer, which is what I had basically done for almost eight full years. Like not every day. I didn't think I was diabetic, but if, for example, Chris was like, Hey, let's try this new restaurant. And that new restaurant became like a regular thing that we were getting. I'd want to know, okay, well, where does this take my blood sugar and what's the impact now? And what's my fasting blood sugar tomorrow look like? And how long does it take before it's kind of back down to normal? Yeah. And what is normal? So it, it's changed. It used to be 80 to 120, and now they call optimal 70 to 110. Um, but I see clients and myself drop into the 60s, feel totally fine and energized. I think that depends if you're metabolically flexible, if you're burning some ketones. I think it also, you know, um, what also supports that is not having major spikes and crashes. Like it is, someone's going to feel different if their blood sugar goes from, say, like, fasting in the morning, they test their blood sugar or their CGM says they're at 70. Then they have their breakfast. And let's say they have oatmeal and they spike up to 110. And at the 90 minute mark after they eat, they're starting to crash. And at three hours later, they're back down at 70 and they're feeling shaky, kind of hungry. They want a snack. They can't wait till lunch. And then they decide they're going to have their lunch and they have a sandwich and they go from 70 way, way up back to 120. And then they drop back down and let's say they get to 80 at three o'clock in the afternoon. That's when they're going to want a brownie, a cookie, a coffee, something like that. They're going to go back up. They're going to crash back down. It's going to be about dinner time. They're probably going to go into dinner at like 90. And you see the curve is actually going up and coming down, but it's going up. It's not coming all the way back down. That that number, that quote unquote fasted number a few hours after a meal is it's actually gradually going up as the day goes on. Meaning by dinner time, you're the most hungry. You eat the most. You have to have dessert after dinner. And then as though that day continues and continues, you're going to wake up in the fasting blood sugar. The next day might not be 70. It's going to be 72. And then a day later, it's going to be 74. And then it's going to be 80. And then when we look at blood sugar numbers of women in their late thirties, early forties, early fifties, what we see is pre-diabetic numbers. Their fasting blood sugar is somewhere in the nineties. It's not in the sixties or seventies, unless they're really keen to understand, unless they really understand carbohydrates, they kind of lean towards a lower carbohydrate paleo style lifestyle. Um, and that's what happens over time. So then that elevated blood sugar and pre-diabetic numbers then turns into your mom has diabetes or she, you know, like these are real things that they need to start working on. And then their doctors are recommending a bunch of things like they probably need metformin and then maybe it's having cardiovascular effects and they need a statin. And really all they need is to understand their fasting blood sugar and understand their carbohydrate tolerance, bring that carbohydrate load down, swap to whole food carbohydrates like potatoes and kind of steer clear of the processed grains, bring that blood sugar down, bring that muscle mass up, support that met your metabolic health. And then all of a sudden you don't need the metformin and you don't need the statin and mom's looking stronger than ever feels amazing, has a bunch of energy and isn't craving 
the brownie at three o'clock and doesn't have to have the dessert after dinner. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I love the glucose monitor. It's been interesting just for me. I feel like then you learn how you feel when you're having like a spike and a crash and then you can recognize the feeling even when you're not wearing your blood sugar monitor, you're like, Oh fuck. Like, yeah language, but it's like, here I go again. Like (laughs) not even wearing the monitor, but now I'm like familiar with the feeling where like I had the feeling before, but I didn't recognize what it was. And now that I do, it's like interesting to like take that with you. Totally. And it's one of those things where you're like, Oh, I'm just feeding my kids and I'm going to eat some of these simple mills crackers and they're quote unquote, you know, they're grain free. And they're like, what made with nuts. And you're like, wait, 90 minutes later, I didn't really sit down for the lunch and now I'm shaky, annoyed, irritable, anxious. Yeah. And it was the food. It was the food. It's always the food. Okay. So speaking of kids, so you've got two little ones, two boys. We were pregnant, like at the same overlapping for some part of both of our pregnancies, I believe. We were. I remember texting you like, because this is something I want to, I want your opinion on like Cameron, because I, I remember texting you because I, I've been pretty low carb for a while and I was pricking my finger pregnant, right? Like just wondering, but I definitely was more glucose intolerant pregnant. I think Mm -hmm. that's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I was, then when I did the, the test, the glucose drinking, the glucose test, I had a horrible, like I spiked and crashed hard. I never got a diet, a gestational diabetes diagnosis, but I remember texting you like, if you have been low carb, for a long time. And then you go do something like the glucose test. Like, is this fair? This seems unfair. It is unfair. And it's what breaks my heart is that you're not going to go turn around and have 50 grams of glucose or more than that in one sitting ever. And if you're lower carb, then you may not have the tolerance for that type of sugar. Plus you're pregnant, meaning you have this hormone cascade that makes you pretty insulin, your muscles, pretty insulin resistant, and it's shunting all of that sugar to your growing baby, right? Because the goal is to, is to, for your genes to be passed down and for future life, like your child is now the most important thing, right? So it's going to, your body's going to do everything to send all the nutrients to your baby, make sure baby is good. And so Um, It is normal for our muscles not to be as good at sucking up glucose, which makes us a little more intolerant to carbohydrates when we're pregnant. And especially if someone has not really uh, eaten a lot of carbohydrates to go drink that drink, you, I've had clients in, you know, the shorter test fail, and then they go do the longer test and they're totally fine. And, um, and so that's really important to know. And so sometimes I will coach clients to increase their carbohydrate load, you know, two to three weeks leading up to that glucose tolerance test so that they're a little bit more used to the load and we can get away with it that way. But it's really annoying because it's my opinion. If someone had a continuous glucose monitor you could show that you're not at pre-diabetic levels and that you're really healthy and your blood work shows that, you know, you have enough iron and vitamin D and all the things that you and baby need. Why are we, why are we shoving so much sugar down the throat of pregnant women? But I know there are a lot of OBs who will accept, like if you prick your finger and show your blood work, I mean, my first one did, I got to do a journal and a glucometer journal. And that was great. And my second one, mm -mm. she was like, she was like, she was like, your last OB was your friend. I am your OB. <laughs> You're going to do this if you need. And so I just was really hydrated. 
I drank an element, you know, made sure that I had the electrolytes that my body needed. I had, um, you know, it was technically fasted, but it was later in the day. So you can have a few hours between you can eat. And so I had a protein rich breakfast and then I had a bunch of nuts and more element and water in my car for when I got to my car and I remember storing it and getting out in my car. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to vomit. I'm pounding these nuts and these hard boiled eggs. And I'm just like drinking the element and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be fine. But it just makes you feel horrible. Yeah. No, I didn't realize you had to like eat after it. And I had it, I like had scheduled to get my blood work done for the test and then go to my OB after. And I was like riding in the elevator actually with Dr. Scharfenberger, my OB in LA for my first, not my second actually. And I started to like, pa- I thought I was going to pass out. He was like, oh God, he's like, didn't you pack a snack? He like ushered me into the lobby and the receptionist had to like bring out some popcorn or something that some, yeah. like some poor nurses snack because yeah. I was like turning white and going to pass out on the floor of the lobby. The OB. You're, yeah. You're having reactive hypoglycemia. Like you're yeah. feeling horrible. Yeah. It's not crazy. good. Okay. So mm-hmm. talk to me about my kids. So you launched this really cool new course, mm-hmm. bust the scoop on the new course. So it's a fab four under four. Um, and I think the most it's, it's 10 videos and over a hundred pages of PDF. But I think the most important videos and what I geek out on the most was the first uh, one of the videos goes through the nutrients your kids need and where to get them. Things like iron, choline, long chain omega threes. And then you can look at your kid's diet and go, my kid doesn't eat any eggs and they don't eat any fish. I need to supplement them with omega threes or choline. Choline is like when you're pregnant and when your child is, is growing up super important for cognitive development and IQ and choline is really dense in egg yolks. But if your kid has an egg allergy, that might be a supplement that you want to consider. So I love, like I geeked out on that video. Um, and then the the next one was, is how to build a fab four plate for your kids. Um, and so perfect example is I'm just Sebastian's going to preschool and I'm looking at his lunch boxes and you can think about having two pieces of bread, some crackers and some grapes. And most kids are going to like eat the bread. And if, if it's a PB and J, then we're talking about two pieces of bread, jelly, crackers, and grapes, which are all glucose spiking carbohydrates. I don't care if the crackers are grain free and the grapes are fruit. Like it really, it, those are all breaking down to glucose. So you count those. That's one, two pieces of bread. Jelly is three crackers is four grapes is five. That's five compounding spikes up in their blood sugar. And what, where is the protein fat and fiber that would slow down that blood sugar roller coaster that would fuel them up, that would (laughs) regulate their hunger hormones. And that is in the peanut butter that's in there. Right. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. And then maybe you put some cucumbers in there. So the peanut butter and cucumbers are what, what I would say part of the fab four that is blood sugar regulating. So that's a really imbalanced lunch. So I give examples of how would you balance that out? Well, you'd swap those two pieces of bread for a cassava flour, low carb tortilla, and you can do a PB and J roll up if they just love PB and J. So then you, you pulled out some of those processed carbohydrates that are breaking down. And then you look at those crackers and you say, well, how can I make a swap for something that isn't going to spike them? Can you do some seaweed? Or if they love those crackers and you're like, it's really the grapes are really a high sugar fruit and you already have these other carbohydrates in there. Can you swap those grapes for blueberries or raspberries or blackberries, something that is a little bit lower in carbon? All you're doing is you're just pulling the levers to lower the glucose contact or lower the amount of 
of foods that you've added to that lunchbox that are going to break down to glucose or blood sugar and increase the things that are going to either add fiber, like berries are going to have more fiber than grapes or fat. Maybe, you know, how can you add, uh, some guacamole? Like what's going to get your kid to eat the cucumber. If you add guac in there, will he eat the cucumber? If that answer is yes, add guac, there's fat and fiber there. And then all of a sudden you're increasing the odds that what's coming what's coming home in that lunchbox is not just that little square container of the cucumbers, you know, because the reality is kids are kids. They're going to find the carbs. They love the carbs. The research tells us that they can handle the sugariest things, especially toddlers. And I think it's like an evolutionary built-in that- Wait, what do you mean they, they can handle the sugariest things? Meaning like when we look at research, kids, they give one study gave kids lemonade toddlers through adolescence and they changed, they, they gave them options. And one was high sugar. One was medium sugar and one was low sugar. And the toddlers always prefer the highest sugar and the adolescents start to prefer the middle range or the lower sugar lemonade option. And so they don't, they can't handle it. They're very vulnerable to the sugar, but I mean, what I mean is they can handle it they in the fact it. that they crave it. They like it. They don't think it's too sweet they would drink a pixie stick and think it was the best thing that's ever happened to yeah, them. Okay. And so, and I think they search out sugar because they're growing so quickly and because they, you know, like it's, it's protective of them, their survival, yeah. you know? So, but what I don't think we anticipated for was opening a lunchbox and having everything be processed carbohydrate, sugary snacks. So all the course does is really teach you what your nutrient, what your kids need when it comes to nutrients what, um, you know, how to balance their plate. And then there's some research on like flavor window. So if it's fab four under four. I really hope to help families in the beginning years, keep the sugar out, understand the research when it comes to flavor windows. So our kids have this flavor window where they're willing to accept foods up until about 18 months. And the more umami sour and bitter foods that you introduce in that flavor window, the higher likelihood that they will continue to eat those foods. And exposure also includes taking them to the grocery store, taking them to the farmer's market, taking them to the farm, getting them involved, giving them that the um, ability to make the choices, to pick the veggie, to cut the veggie, to drizzle the, the olive oil and the seasonings, to roast it, and then to try it. All of that is exposure that increases consumption and acceptance of those foods. So for me, getting that research out to moms even when you're like, I just want to do the chicken and broccoli again. I don't know how to cook kohlrabi and I don't care to like, maybe that's that little motivation for you that you're like, cool. You want to pick that weird veggie off the shelf. Mom will get on the internet and figure out how to make it. Yeah. And we'll see how to do this together. I can't tell you how many times I've taken bash to this little place called the ecology center, which is a farm stand right by us. And we're so lucky to have it here, but to go in and for him to like, pick up leaks and be like, I want this one. And he's like swinging the top around and it's fanning everywhere. And I'm like, great, your dad will never eat this, but we are taking it home and you and I are going to figure it out. You're going to take one bite and be like, what is this? And then I'm going to have like a half a pound of leeks to eat. Yeah. yeah. How are Bash's allergies, by the way? How are you doing now? So much better. Like when he was really little and his eczema was really bad, um, 
he actually had oral allergy syndrome where he couldn't have things like squash and melon. And, and that's because his eczema is technically leaky skin. And so these food, when I first started feeding him food and his eczema was really bad on his cheeks, the food would come in contact with his skin. And then his immune system was responding to those foods, thinking that they were invaders because they were technically invading through his skin. And so then when I would give him zucchini, he'd break out crazy hives and rashes everywhere. And so it, took us healing the eczema on his face, which comes down to creating a lipid layer. So every single time he'd go to eat, I'd have to like lube his whole face. So there was a barrier, let him eat and then wipe him clean and reapply that reapply that hydration level layer to, to allow for that skin to heal. Once the skin healed, those oral allergies went away. And we also found out through a back prick test that he had a major allergy to dogs. And so when we pulled him away from the grandma's golden retriever and the lab and all the dander, all of his allergies significantly improved. So I think if you have a kid with allergies or eczema or something, it is important to kind of do a two pronged approach. you got to do a food tolerance test and see what's causing a flare and what's not, and be really serious and journal what's working, what's not. And then I would consider a back prick test for anything that may be environmental that's controllable. And that's, that's really helpful because when you think about allergies and flaring, you can think about it like a cup, like my cup was full with dog dander. And so putting a little bit of dairy or egg or zucchini on top of that, and his body was just overreacting. So we got the overreaction down and, um, enough to allow his skin to heal. And then we really made strides. So right now he can have eggs and baked goods. And he's had like, he'll have like overdone scramble like two times a month or something. And he loves eggs, but like, we have to be careful because there've been times when we've like had the scramble and then had the like pumpkin muffin and then had the cookie. And the third day he's like, I'm flaring. So allergies are interesting. You have to be careful, but we've made major strides and we'll do like, um, tolerance we'll do tolerance, uh, work with an allergist here pretty soon, probably maybe in the new year. Is that like um, micro dosing to build up tolerance? Okay. Yeah. If you ever want to see a really cool documentary, um, rotten on Netflix, if you look at up rotten on Netflix and you look up the peanut episode, you can see the, um, allergy clinic at Stanford and how they desensitize kids to food allergies is really cool. Oh yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Has now you had mold in your house too. Are you guys like, have you noticed anything since you got out of your apartment? That was like what a year and a half ago you've been out now. Yeah. I found the mold March of 2019 in the height of the pandemic. Um, sorry, May of 2019. So the pandemic started in March and then it was, we was like six weeks later. I was, I had just found out I was pregnant like a few days prior. We were packing our bags to come to my parents' house and we hadn't, opened the closet where our luggage was. We opened the closet where our luggage was. And there was like all this black mold in the closet. And what had happened was our landlord had put in an air conditioning unit. Cause we were, I was pregnant and he had put it in the August prior and, you know, Chris and I were going to kill each other. And I was like, I don't care. Charge me an extra $50 a month or whatever. Like I need, the wind. Yeah. I need air conditioning or we're going to kill each other and move out, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and so anyways, he ended up putting in the air conditioning, but I think the, it was dripping into the wall and the condensation created that mold. And so he was like, I will scrape it off, bleach it and repaint it. And I just need like four days and it'll be done. And I was like, no, I'm pregnant. 
and we need out of here. So, uh, we, it ultimately ended up being a blessing in disguise. We got that rent. We got a rental down in um, South Laguna near Dana point. And we got to surf and go to the beach and really connect with nature during the pandemic and just do a lot of walks. And yeah. it would have been really hard in our small, small apartment in like the density of Los Angeles at the time yeah. we was a blessing in disguise. So we're good. Good. I'm glad. I love it. Okay. A few last like big quick questions. If you do you have a few more minutes or do you have a hard stop? No, I'm good. Okay. Just making sure. I don't want to like totally jeopardize your time. It was that 30 minute intro we did to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> didn't me enough time. Um, on the kids though, really quick. Cause I've got like mine are like, I did a lot of what you said, but just like some of the first foods were like liver pate or like, you know, a lot of like salmon and tons of veggies. So like, I feel like babies love broccoli. I don't know. Like I have no problem with broccoli with the kids. We've like always done scrambled eggs with spinach in them. And so like when they don't know any different, it's just like scrambled eggs always come with spinach. They're fine with it. But then just this pickiness comes in and like my three-year-old, like, well, he just like, won't even, I mean, he's like, Riker's putting up a strike. Huh? Oh yeah. He's like gluten-free cheese tortellini is great. And like, I'll eat the broccoli, but like, I mean, what do you do with the picky eating? You know what? I think consistency is really important. When we look at the research, uh, it's on average that parents and caregivers stop offering vegetables at around three to five rejections. Meaning the fifth time you make asparagus and he doesn't eat it. You're like, well, I'm not going to make the asparagus. I'll just buy the broccoli. And when we talk about acceptance to veggies, if he, if you had, if before three, three years old, he was eating these foods, no problem. Um, he's, he is trying to be independent. He's trying to assert dominance and independence. And I would look at that and say, Riker is going to be an awesome little dude when he grows up, probably a a really great businessman. And, you know, he's just, he's just pushing back on mom a little bit. So my advice would be exposure and modeling are the most important. Don't stop serving, don't stop making it and, and serving it. Um, I don't think we need to be fighting or, and the research does not, does not suggest that bribery or finishing your plate or any of that that actually creates a negative association with eating those types of foods and they're going to push back more. So get him involved. If you can, I think the pushback to that would be like, Hey, Riker, you're going to help me make dinner tonight. Open the fridge. What veggie should we make? You get to drizzle it. And yes, it makes more of a mess. And it's kind of sometimes annoying to cook with a toddler because of the mess, but exposure modeling and not giving up is the best policy. Don't, bribe, push, or punish. Don't hold out on dessert. I don't think we should be having dessert every night, but like we kind of use the boundaries of weekends where Bash knows he gets cartoons on the weekends and he gets dessert on the weekends. And that's just part of the program. And he's going to get dessert if he eats the asparagus or not on a Friday night. Um, but because I don't want that bribery or the notion that he has to eat something to get something else. But I, I just would say, it's probably a, pa- a phase you've done the foundational work. Just don't stop. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. That's so interesting that five, cause you do, you just feel defeated. You're like, all right, whatever. I, I guess I just like, 
I really won't make the asparagus is a great example anymore, but yeah, yeah, no, I know you hear that. Like you just got to keep doing it. So that's good. So stick to it maybe. And change the, yeah. And change it. So like you can have asparagus grilled, you can have it parboiled. You can have it roasted. You can have it raw. You can have it cut. You can have it as sticks into dips. You can have, so changing the shape, changing the flavor, changing, um, how it's being served really important. Like think about even just like celery, like the celery leaves can go in a salad. Like the, the stalks can be dipped in peanut butter. They can go in a chicken soup. They can be in the ranch dressing dips. Like it can, there are so many different ways to serve things. And we all, it's totally human nature get stuck in what we do. Like I roast broccoli with my bee savory seasoning, olive oil and salt. And when someone's like, you could make a broccoli soup. I'm like, what? Broccoli can be made into a soup. Like we all just are yeah. creatures of habit. I know. So, so if, if someone's, if, if they're pushing back against a veggie, I think the first question you ask yourself is how do I get them involved? How do I serve it differently? And I'm going to try again. Yeah. I love it. All right. I'm totally going to take this fab four class. And do you have like, there's recipes that come with this. Yeah. So I'm a home chef guys. So it's really simple stuff. It's not going to be the fancy stuff that you might see Daniel Walker or some of these, you know, gobby what's gobby cooking. Like it's none of that kind of stuff. It's, it's like the basics. Um, but yeah, there are, there are recipes in there and it's really just the research and the cliff notes of exposure, creating that good relationship with food, sticking to that flavor window, um, mixing it up, I also talk about introducing food allergies and baby led versus traditional weaning. So if someone's interested in starting their child with food, um, that's why it's fab four under four. So it's like from the six month mark of you've been breastfeeding or formula feeding, and now we're going to introduce foods. How do we do it? What's most important? What should we focus on? We've got 18 months and then it's preventing picky eating and dealing with picky eating and all the nutrients that your kids need. And people have asked me like, I have an eight-year-old. Is this course relevant to me? There are going to be a few videos that aren't relevant, like obviously traditional or baby led weaning. Your child's already eating real whole foods, um, but the nu- the nutrient piece and the blood sugar balance piece and the exposure piece, all super important. Yeah. And what if I have like my youngest is almost 18 months here in like a month. Is, is it- Hurry, give them all the flavors. <laughs> is it too late? No, it's not too late. The flavor window is just this period of time where there's generally more acceptance. So when people say, you know, when it comes to toddlers who are picky, sometimes it can be upwards, you know, of 15 or 20 times before they accept a food. I just think what ends up happening is we narrow our scope. We go, they only eat the broccoli. They like these chicken nuggets. They eat this pasta. And then all of a sudden you're only rotating five meals. And instead of introducing new foods or keeping new foods around, um, which is definitely more work, you know, it's more work. So my whole goal with my kids is I'm pretty realistic. I make pasta. I make tacos. I make chicken and veggies. We make burgers. Trying to think if there's anything. We make build your own bowls and salads. Those are the basics, right? But, and we make chili and soup. And those are kind of like, okay, that's that's the Levesque family basics. I will once a week or once every two weeks be like, I'm trying a new recipe. I'm bringing this in. It's shrimp or it's like salmon, curry salmon bowls. And we've never made it curry and salmon together. You always have curry and chicken together, but like we're mixing it up. And 
will do it differently because it's very easy to get in the habit of never doing it differently. Um, so that would just be my advice. Like once a week, if you can do a totally different meal that you've never made before, what you're going to be surprised about is that your family is going to fall in love with one of them over the month and be like, do that again. That was so good. Um, but you're also going to push your family when it comes to exposure to new veggies and proteins and things like that. Yeah. I love that. Do your kids like ever eat crap food? I mean, yeah, my kids are normal kids. I mean, the crap food, the thing is, is like, you can make good, good food can be crap food. Like when I, when I, we go to my mom's house and all she buys for bash is grapes and simple meals, crackers, and he eats only grapes and simple moves crackers at her house for four hours. And then I have to take this popped up sugar, totally unsatisfied kid home with me and negotiate with him on the way home. Why he can't have more grapes in a red solo cup from my mom's house. (laughs) And I'm like, first of all, choking hazard, you can't have it in your car seat. Like you are so addicted to this stuff. I think you've eaten like half a pound of grapes at her house, yeah. you know, and then he's crying before dinner when we get home to my house. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, no, I want to make then, a rule. Like if you feed my kids, then you have them for four hours. Yeah, you should give them the bread, let them deal with the blood sugar. <laughs> yeah. Roller yeah. And he's in, I mean, he's in preschool now. So like I was looking at, I had to take a picture of this snack menu, you know, and it's, milk, blueberries, and and Cheez-Its. And then like the next day it's like mini pancakes, a hundred percent maple syrup and milk. And I'm like, okay. And then the next day it's like a juice box. And I'm like, my kids never had juice. So I actually put on the nurse's form that we aren't, we don't do liquid sugar, no Gatorade, no juice, no soda. Um, and I'll like put element electrolytes in his water on the days that there's juice. And I'm like, you get lemonade. And that's what I call it. And I'm like, okay. Like you don't get to, when we start saying yes to all the sugar everywhere, then we don't feel good about saying yes when it's a special occasion. Yeah. Like you want dessert? Yeah. Cool. But if you've eaten sugar all day, every day, you're like, you want dessert? You're like, I just feel like I'm drugging my kids. And that's, that's like not the reality. I mean, the reality is it's really hard as a mom. Yeah. Your kids are going to get more and more picky. They're going to go to school. They're going to be with their friends. Everything's a birthday party or an event or grandma's house or a holiday. It's a grind. It's a grind. Um, it really is. And so there's like a, literally a whole video in my course about like the science of it from their brain development, to their mood regulation, to their retention, to, um, to just their ability to live at their genetic potential. Like when I, when I feel like I need to kick in the pants, I go back and watch my own video. Yeah. Cause I compiled all the research and it's not pretty. So no. yeah. yeah. I can't wait. I'm going to check that out. Okay. Shifting off of that. I could go on about this kid stuff forever, but, um, what are you most excited about these days and like health and wellness? Just curious what new stuff is coming out that you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm keeping my finger on the pulse of something, um, some kind of vegan protein that's becoming available. That's, um, that's collagen, uh, vegan collagen. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting for that to be available. Um, just because I do have a community of people that follow me and I do think a clean vegan or vegetarian style protein is really important, like a really highly bioavailable version. Um, mostly I'm excited for these little CPG companies that are coming out that are really being minimalist. Like I told you before we started that Monty's company, that's a, 
like it's an, a plant-based butter, but it's not like a beyond impossible burger beyond burger where you look at the ingredients and you're like, that's horrible. You know, it's avocado oil and coconut oil fermented into like a butter and it tastes like butter. It. So it's Mark and I like- wanted to create that like four years ago. We had, that was like big on our on, on your list, it was high on the innovation list, and then we just had to like focus and prioritize. But yeah, like a butter made out of yeah. oils—it's cool. I yeah. mean, that's the kind of thing where you're like, "There's a need here in the market." I'm really trying to champion those brands as partners, as an, an investor, as an affiliate, just so that they get out. Like, I do have this—I built this platform over a decade, and my audience wants these products. They want to know what's out there, and. I want to be able to support these companies. So that's, that's been pretty cool. I'm excited about that. When it comes to the, the research science, you know, I'm continually interested in um, genetic pathways like NRF2 and what happens in our body when we come in contact with certain um, phytochemicals and how that reacts in our body. Um, All of the microbiome research is really interesting. That fiber piece that you brought up earlier in like on our podcast today, it is, it's, 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 it's interesting. Cause I don't know sometimes if it's just confirmation bias where people believe something and then they're looking for the research to support their belief. I think that's a lot of it, depending yeah. on what side of the no, it's true. side of the argument you on, like, are you vegan, vegetarian? Are you paleo keto? Are you pro fiber? Are you anti-fiber? Are yeah. you, you know, it's just, yeah. It's polarizing. So I want, I want to be the person in the middle. I do. And I know that I, I know that I was very honest with you about like getting actors to roll weight and how that a plant-based diet can be more difficult for me. It's totally doable. They just need to be responsible and they yeah. need to supplement. Right. And they need to have blood tests and then we can do it. Yeah. No, I love that. Who's inspiring you these days? Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, you know, I think, I think for me, it's, it's like, Oh, what's his name? I, he's inspiring me. And I don't even remember yeah, that, his name. That, you wouldn't, you'd be surprised. Like most people are like, Oh, I follow this person. And I could tell you like everything they've posted in the last two weeks, but I can't remember who it is. You look and find it. Oh my God. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the like theme he's like business um business. I, I want to call his name i want to say he's his name is ben um entrepreneur type stuff yeah mindset Puba. yeah he's all of those things i just like to post it him this morning why am i forgetting your name sir well they'll feed It'll be in my feed in a second. And then okay, it'll <laughs> we'll come back to that one because now I really want to know now because we can't find it out. You have to remember. I can always put it in here after too. Okay. When he pops up for you later today. Um, okay. I wanted you to tell really quick this the uh, story. I remember you telling me about buying. You bought a whole batch of protein powder and then you didn't want to sell it. And your dad gave you some like really great advice that I just feel like should be shared to be memorialized formally. Because I think about this advice that your dad gave you like frequently. Um, yeah. Well, so you know obviously, what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 
This is a real easy one for me. <laughs> so um, my dad's an entrepreneur and he is the type of dude that looks through the windshield. He is not about what's happening in his rear view mirror and it, everything's a gut check for him. And so for me, I had talked about the Fab Four smoothie and I, at the time, was drinking uh, toned it up protein. It was a pea protein. I liked the flavor of it. You know, I was, I don't even think primal kitchen collagen fuel was out at the time. It was just primal fuel, which I think was a way. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I was like, all I'm doing is selling everybody else's protein powder. I want to create a really simple version of protein without the fillers. And I'm going to do a pea protein. So I buy the pea protein like organic certified. When she and, says she buys, she means like she put a deposit down for like a lot. How much? I put 10, yeah. I, I, I put a, a deposit down for a $10,000 deposit to do the R and D and to buy like a min, the most minimal amount of lots. And the only reason why I could buy only $10,000 worth of protein, which now when I'm buying protein, it's six figures worth of protein that I'm needing to purchase. And you know, I'm sweating <laughs> on the other side of my computer being like, I'm doing this. So people have access to really clean protein powder. Um, but I digress. So I buy this protein and then I go down the rabbit hole of, okay, it's organic, but what do I know? And I start and I get pregnant and I learn that, oh yeah, there's like peas are really good at sequestering heavy metals from the ground. And to get protein out of peas, they use this solvent called hexane. And there's you know, residual amounts of this hexane in the protein powder, there's heavy metals in the protein powder and I'm pregnant. So of course, like, I don't even feel comfortable drinking it. I have to call them and say, I'm not going to make it, but basically this $10,000 is non-refundable. Like they've purchased the protein. And so I called my dad and he basically said what he always said when I did something when I had to pay for something I didn't want to pay for, or I'm making a, dis- I make a mistake. And he said, Kelly, we just, we just filed that under the Oh shit fund. And there is going to be a certain dollar amount that happens to you every single year. And as you get older, this fund gets bigger, but this is where, when you get a, a parking ticket or a speeding ticket, or you have to pay for a broken fixture in your house or a flood, or you buy something and it doesn't feel right for you. You file it there and you move on. Like you never make the choice to, you know, you don't dwell on bad decisions. You move forward. And I love the quote fail faster because when you make a mistake, it can make you feel like you don't want to get back up. It's going to be harder to keep moving forward. And so I filed it there. And that has been the oh shit fun for me is something I don't spend time ruminating on mistakes. I just go, this is a mistake. How do I fix this faster? I did it. I had to do it with my professionally designed website that was not mobily optimized. And when people weren't willing to link back to my website because it wasn't mobily optimized. When I wrote these big articles for people like Mind Body Green and Chalkboard Magazine, they're like, well, link back to your Instagram. I went, okay, oh shit fund. I am making a Squarespace website and ditching this perfectly custom site. I'm making the Squarespace site over the weekend and moving on. Like you move on faster because it's, well, first of all, it's just like, why ruminate? Why stress yourself out? Why have anxiety about it? If it doesn't gut check for you, move on. Yeah. 
I love it. I love the oh shit fund. I've like thought, I've told my husband that like afterwards, because he will be like, like a parking ticket. I've always kind of filed those in the oh shit fund. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Like, oh, I'm over it like 10 minutes later. What are you going to do about it then? But yeah, yeah, some of the other bigger, it's nice to just have a place to put it mentally so you can just quickly move on. Yeah. So thank your dad for me for that one. I've used that for the last few years. Okay. A few quick last ones. I'm very curious. What's the worst thing you've ever done for your own health? <laughs> I remember when colonics were cool for a while. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't think I'd ever do that again. There were, you know, and I still, there are people that still do that and yeah, like swear, no. by, swear by that stuff, but I'm just like, yeah, no blowing all the probiotic microbes out of my colon. It's maybe not something I'll ever do. Again. Okay. I like it. I'll leave the colonic ex colonics girl. Okay. Um, this is a good one. What is something that most people don't know about you? Mm, there are so many things. I used to drive a lifted Ford F-150 with 35 inch mud tires. And I literally like worked holidays and weekends and like grades counted and soccer goals counted. And I saved and saved and saved. And I built this huge monster truck and I drove it to USC to call it's my senior year of high school and to college. Um, so that's a pretty fun one. I, I also like, that. I also can do a pretty mean updo. So all my friends, when they would go get their hair done for hair done for dances would call me in tears on their way home because the butterfly clips and like the, <laughs> the frayed, like, little like tendrils that came down around their oh, face yeah. weren't right or whatever. And I, I think I redid everybody's updos before every dance. Oh, that is a good one. The redo updo is a real, that brings back some real high school memories for me. Always yeah. disappointment. Always. Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. You're like, well, I yeah. just never wore my hair like this to school. So of course, <laughs> when you go from wearing your hair down or in a ponytail to a beehive, you're not going to feel like yourself. Yeah. You think. <laughs> I love it. Okay. This is my last one for you. If you were a Primal Kitchen product, which would it be? Oh, I would have said ketchup, but hands down ranch with the yolks now. Yes. It's better than any homemade sour cream powder ranch that I grew up having. Hidden Valley got a little sweet there at the end. And And your first, your first version of that ranch was good. It was just a little too watery. And now it is like the consistency. Yeah. I'll dip all the veggies in it. I'll dress with it all the time. Uh, I love it. I'm grabbing for it more often than making my own dressing. Which you know, is- do you know, we have a jar dip coming out that's even thicker than that. Oh, I just got to try that. Oh, I thought maybe. I've got the, I've got, I've got the hookup with Sierra. And Anna, okay, good. So. good. I'm glad. Yeah. And I think we're going to make the dip even thicker than it is now. It's like, this has been a continually that's what they were saying. Target for us. Like it's just getting thicker and thicker I like across it. the board. Yeah. yeah. I love awesome. it. Well, this was so great, fun catching up with you as always. And um, thanks so much for joining me. I like really appreciate it. I was telling Kelly before she's like has to suffer through being interviewed by me because she's just been around for so long. So we, <laughs> we conjure into this, but it was so wonderful. Tell everyone like where they can find you and your courses. Give us the scoop. Yeah. So, um, everywhere social, my handle is at be well by Kelly. My website is Kelly My book series are the body love books. So body love, body love every day and the body love journal. 
And all my courses are Fab Four courses. So they teach you the Fab Four based on your lifestyle. I have the Fab Four pregnancy, the Fab Four under four. So the pregnancy is for when you're pregnant. Under four is teaching you how to feed your kids. Fab Four fundamentals are the basics. If you're like, I don't even understand blood sugar. You can go learn the basics in Fab Four fundamentals. I have the Fab Four smoothie course, which is a mini course. And that teaches you how to build a smoothie that's blood sugar balancing and not going to wreck your blood sugar. Love it. Thank you. Lots and lots going on. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Morgs. All right. Bye-bye.